Deezer Originals Now It's time for Strong and Stable 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 Hello and welcome to Extra Strong Extra Stable the extra special edition to Strong and Stable that's a bit like finding a coin down the back of your sofa then realizing it's a pound and not a euro hurrah I'm Aisha Hazarika and I'm here with my special guests Alistair Campbell Susie Ruffle and Ian Dale and this week we are asking the pressing question, has Labour made politics cool again? Writing about the last night of the Labour Party conference, the Huffington Post's Paul Wall said, last night it was striking how utterly uninterested young momentum types were at attending the Mirror Party and its traditional mix of karaoke and MPs. Just two doors down, they rammed a nightclub with their own event. The old order looked very far away indeed. And aside from the fact that I am shocked, shocked I tell you, that a mix of karaoke and MPs was not the most appealing option that night, what What do you think, my guests? Has Labour put the party back into party politics? Is politics cool again? And are you happy about that? Now, I want to start with you, Alistair, because when you worked for Tony Blair, we had cool Britannia. We tried to get lots of pop stars to come to Downing Street. Do you think it's possible for politics to be cool? Do you know what? I discovered recently when I was interviewed by somebody who's writing a book about Cool Britannia, that it actually was first used under the Tories in 1996. Absolutely stunned me. Uh, And it was because of Oasis and all that stuff and all the fashion world and what have you. I mean, there was a point where I guess we were seen as sort of cool and now we are seen as, you know, the past. And the establishment. Uh, You were the future once. Exactly, as DC (laughs) said. And he's in his shed writing his memoirs. He's the past as well. And now Alistair goes to bed at 4pm every afternoon. I don't really. But but I I think that there's... uh, you've got to be really careful about this because and, and Corbyn should be very very wary of it Nick Clegg was very cool for a while during the 2010 election campaign for like a nanosecond yeah but it was that, that whole I agree with Nick thing Nicola Sturgeon was very cool for a while uh, I don't think politics should think in those terms I think politics in the end is about sort of doing stuff and getting it done and I think if you it, I think this stuff can be very very ephemeral uh, and also I go back to the point I made earlier I, th- I think there is a, a real danger of people inside that conference bubble thinking this is the world. It's not the world. Mm. The world out there is kind of getting on with stuff. And, and and actually, I don't think... They think Corbyn's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. But I think cool overstates it. I think that's the same with being in a bit of a London bubble as well. I think that's a real issue for people like me or people that work in media, is that you just get this like bubble of like, oh, yeah, because of like, you know, Linda in Leeds doesn't know who Stormzy is. And it doesn't matter to her that... I didn't until a few weeks ago. Do you know ago. what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter to her. Like, I, I love him. I think he's brilliant. I know what the Mercury Music Prize is. And, you know, I think that it's... I think politics being cool, I don't think... It doesn't get the job done, does it? It doesn't Mac- matter. Macron and Trudeau are cool. Yes. Trudeau's cool. But he's also really handsome. Yeah, yeah, they're well, both really fit, which we really don't have handsome politicians. Yeah. Macron's wife is actually probably seen as quite cool because it's a bit interesting. She's like going out with Macron, and he's like really fit. Yeah, it's yeah. like a big age yeah. gap, isn't there? But but I think 
I, I think where you do have to give the Corbyn projects some credit is to have enthused young people so much is quite extraordinary. And to I have reached those yeah, to, to, kind of like using grime and things like that, it's very hard to reach those people. No, I think that is... I mean, I went to a... Uh, just before the election, I went to a, a night in Coco in London that was a... It was a That's 12, not a hot drink, Alistair. No, that not, is like a nightclub. It was, it was a 12-piece orchestra doing Biggie's first album. Which it, which was really good fun, and I'll explain to yeah, I'll explain to Ian and Alistair later what that was. I know what it and is. I'm sure you do. You're down with the kids, and uh, but uh, it ended with people chanting "Oh, Jeremy Corbyn." Yeah, a, a big music night that was, and you know, I think I, I've in my lifetime. Do you mean Blair was when I was still at school? Like in my lifetime, I've never seen people get that excited about politics. Certainly not my friendship group, the people I hang out with. I mean, Margaret Thatcher did that to an extent in the 1980s for, for sort of younger people. I mean, I, when I got what? In, I, well, no, in 1978 when I was 16, that's when I got interested in politics because I heard her make a speech and I thought I agree with every word of that, and that really enthused me and got me involved in active politics in exactly the same way that people are getting involved with the Labour Party now. I think it's less about party politics though nowadays. I think things are much more issue based, and particularly for younger people, that, that maybe they that they attach themselves to Jeremy Corbyn because they see that he's dealing with issues that maybe relate to them, and, and he's been fairly scattergun in, in all these different issues that can affect uh, young people. But I think also we've got to get away from the fact that young people have never been interested in politics. Yeah. Of course they have. I know that from my radio show, from the number of young people that phone in. And the biggest compliment I ever get is when a, a, a mum or a dad ring in and they say, look, my 14-year-old my son listens to you every day. He learns an awful lot of politics but from you. you. But yeah. Ian, there has been an issue. Definitely young people have always had a healthy intellectual respect and interest in politics, but actually mobilising them to make it to the ballot box has been quite a structural problem. And to get organised activists yeah. as well. And I think one of the things that the Conservative Party are worried about is yeah. how it can appeal to, to the youth. I mean, there was even an attempt to recreate a bit of a sort of momentum type thing, but it went spectacularly badly. It was this kind of activate, activate thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and George Freeman has tried to do a thing about younger people, a sort of an ideas festival, a bit like a well, Tory Glastonbury. There were, there were 200 people invited to that. I mean, it wasn't something you could let, just go to. And it was sort of basically Westminster bubble type people. That there was a lot of bunting I, there, I was quite I grateful not to get an invite myself, to be honest. You're not, but you're, yeah, you're not young the, enough, Ian, sorry. The Tories have got a, a problem here, um, but they haven't got, after all that terrible incident um, a year ago or 18 months ago with that a young uh, Conservative guy who committed suicide, yeah. Elliot Johnson, um, there's been no Conservative youth movement at all, but they've got to get back into it. Because I, I remember, and it's say old fart, whatever, 1983 election when I was at the University of East Anglia, very left-wing university in those days, and the number of Tory posters that went up on that campus horrified the Labour Party because it was two Labour seats at that point in Norwich, Norwich North and Norwich South, and after the election, they were two Conservative seats. And that was because young people, students, overwhelmingly voted Conservative. Nobody saw it coming. So it's not as if these people, the young people are out of bounds for the Conservatives. They've just got to try and create the policies that are going to attract them. But right now, I think it would look... It's pretty inconceivable that suddenly you can have a huge swathe of young people saying, yeah, I really like the cut of that Theresa May's jib. Like, she looks like she's yeah, my kind of person. These things don't happen overnight. This is why Corbyn, I think, has really got to watch this Brexit because the, a lot of young people have flocked to Corbyn uh, because they like what he's saying about austerity or rent controls or housing or tuition fees. If you were to poll them, they'd 
be wanting us to stay in the European Union. And I think if... if see, I'm amazed the Tories haven't done more to expose his position on Brexit. Mm. Uh, they're so sort of wrapped up with their own difficulties. But actually, this is, this is very... This is where it the heart suits politics. them, though, to have him possibly, where he is. Possibly. But, I mean, one of the things... I, I, when I was at, the, at Brighton, I did go to the Momentum conference and the, the World Transform, and I was speaking to some young was people. Was it transformed? My whole world's been transformed, I can't tell you. But um, I was speaking to some young people there, and I was saying, what about the Brexit thing? You know, we haven't had a vote on it. You know, I, I don't even know if Jeremy Corbyn voted for it. It kind of didn't matter to them because they're wrapped into this bigger message of yeah. hope and culture. And a Paul Wall, who we start off with, it couldn't be more correct. I went to the Mirror Party and it was fun. But it's basically just loads of old white men singing kind of Elvis songs. What's and your karaoke song? I did Your So Vain by Carly that. Simon. Uh, I would probably do Wonder of You by Elvis. Susie? Uh, 9 to 5, Dolly Parton. Tell me why ain't nothing but a heart. Really? <laughs> Ian, everyone's like ears are bleeding, like, please stop. Like, oh, no, Alice, I enjoyed Alice it. Alice just had a partial stroke in the corner. <laughs> like a, but I did then, I bumped into Ed Miliband at the um, the mirror party and he was like, oh God, honestly, you've got to come with me. I've got to be invited to like, the momentum after party. It's as if he was here. Like, yeah. got to be my, my wing man, sorry, no woman. I mean, Humanity, I'm really sorry. And then we went to the like. We and we went, wonder why he didn't win. We went to the momentum um, part after party, and I'll tell you something. It was like a party from London Fashion Week. There were just all these really hot young people. There was this amazing dance floor, incredible DJs, and Ed. I have to say, Ed got treated like an absolute rock star. They were basically like women dry humping his leg. He was loving it, basically. I think it's it, it comes back to sort of like it being was Justin there. No, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it being like a, a worldwide thing, because I think that, like, politics is sort of, from where I sit, I think politics is sort of very different at the moment because of stuff like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and how we're all consistently connecting different things. And I think that in the UK, Corbyn feels like something that's, like, I feel like a lot of the left in the UK and certainly the youth of the left are really angry about the Trump thing. And I think doing stuff with Corbyn makes them feel like they're connected to this worldwide mm. left movement. And I think that's got a massive... But that, that's, that's hugely important to, to that whole movement. And I think because young people are so um, on social media all the time, young oh, people yeah. are like digital peacocks. They kind of show their life off instantly, like minute by yeah. minute. So they see this complete energy around just, the Corbyn just, movement and yeah. it's quite infectious. It's definitely quite positive. Just bear in mind there are right of centre young people out there but they're incredibly shy about admitting it I mean I had an email the other day from a guy who says I'm at school, I mentioned that I would have voted Conservative and I've been ostracised by virtually everybody what should I do as if I was some sort of agony un uncle and this is you are the, the, <laughs> I do feel that sometimes, usually between four and seven every day um, <laughs> people have always been shy about admitting their political proclivities if they're on the right. It shouldn't be the case, but we see all... I mean, and I do blame the hard left for this because I saw it in the 1980s and it's happening now, the viciousness that is displayed to people who don't have the same political opinion as them. Well, there is a lot of um, viciousness. And as I wanted to ask you about this, so um, a lot of the Corbyn fans criticise anyone, particularly of your ilk, as centrist dad. What do you think about that? Are you a centrist dad? Well, I'm a dad. <laughs> uh, I think I'm left of centre, and I don't believe that the I'd, you know we we've got to wait and see whether the Corbyn thinks the centre of gravity in British politics is moving. Well, maybe he's right. I'm not convinced. 
you know, I thought it was interesting. I, I welcome that he stood up and said, let's stop all the abuse in politics. Well, maybe his people can stop sort of using Blairite scum as a kind of, you know... Yeah, as, as, as female political editors or Jews. Of the BBC or Jews. You know, it's like... So there's a lot of it out there, and I think leaders have to try to stop that. Can I tell you my own recent funny Edmund Levan story? Yeah, go on. I was in Singapore recently, right? And I go there quite often, and I've got this... Because uh, I don't have an Oyster card in Singapore, I've got this driver who wishes me around, right? <laughs> and uh, so we're driving it's along. the world, Susie. We're driving oh, along, no, we're driving along. And he said, this guy suddenly says to me, he says, uh, Mr. Campbell, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, of course. Don't do the accent. <laughs> he said, no, this is how he spoke. He said, uh, he says, uh, Ed Miliband, why... I'm trying do, to save you, Alistair. Why don't he, do the accent. Why he do Ed Stone? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, you're poor. The, mm. That Edstone was literally uh, like the worst thing ever. Go on, let's all share. I haven't Robin. got one. You haven't. No. So you've met. What did you think of Ed when you met him? I really liked him. I thought I I uh, I met him at a and like a dinner thing for uh, Angela Eagle for like an LGBT thing. And actually, I have got one. Sorry. And I, I, you know, I came. I met him. He was <coughs> lovely, and I came away thinking, ah, oh, I can really see now how sometimes charisma doesn't sort of get through the telly because I'd never when I'd watched him speak on TV I'd never thought that he was like exciting to watch or interesting and then when I saw him live I was like oh he's you're like Britney you're just not great live Britney you're back <laughs> That is an amazing. Uh, that's it. We're gonna have to do. A, we're gonna have to do a mock up of Ed in like the toxic sort of like I'm, outfit. I'm, or something. I've ever told you my Britney story. Oh my god! Just let me really do my one first. But he was really good on radio. I did a phone in with him right. when, when Aisha was working for him. We wanted to do a series of them, but she obviously banned us from doing them. And then he came into the studio during the election to do an interview. We had a brand new studio then, and, and when you, you sit in the presenter's chair and you've got all of this sort of garbage all around you, and he goes. Oh my goodness, it's like Davros from Doctor Who. Because <laughs> you sort of like have this console thing. He did very well on Jeremy Vine. He did, he did, very well on Jeremy he did. He did the a pub quiz for Momentum at LA Party Conference, and he was such a hit. And I think you're absolutely right, Susie. I think when people met him on a one to one basis, he was incredibly warm. I was really surprised. But I was really surprised how much I liked him. But listen, there's nothing that helps you make people be nice to you if you're introduced with the word former yeah uh, uh. and it's like and, and like look at Ed Balls when he, be, when he the whole Strictly thing I, I thought that was sad that to become Ed's the same person but to sort of have a popular public profile you have to you know go on reality TV shows so that's the former director of communications to Tony Blair <laughs> exactly. exactly Alistair when are you going to go on Strictly I'm not Ever. Come on, be amazing. Good. He's going in the jungle instead. I'm not. I've been offered all those. I've, I've kept every single offer. And there's what, a lot what's of the them. most that you've been offered? Celebrity. Have Half you been a million. S- Half a million. Have you been asked to do Celebrity Love Island? <laughs> I might so, think about that one. No, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't. I think you should definitely do Strictly Come Dancing. No, I'm not doing it. I can't dance, and I'm in bed by ten. Exactly. Well, that's actually that's probably your main barrier. That's probably your main barrier. Okay, that's it from Extra Strong, Extra Stable this week. We will see you next Monday and this Friday for the full show, assuming that we haven't all perished in a wayward nuclear strike. Although on the plus side, it means we won't have to suffer at the Tory Party conference. Hurrah and goodbye. That was strong and stable. We'll catch you next time. Please subscribe. Deezer. Deezer. Originals.